and welcome to the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast number 352. That's, uh, that pleases me a lot. Uh, 352. <laughs> He's football heaven uh, on the way, swanning to victory. Follow the leaders and a huge week ahead. My name is Michael Bailey. A very happy Monday to you all. Joining us here at Archant Towers in our little uh, pod fishbowl, we have my fellow uh, Norwich City correspondent, David Freezer, uh, Norwich City columnist, and another columnist, David Hannon and Ian Clark. Uh, so, good evening, good afternoon, welcome to you all, uh, gents. Hello, How are you? Exceedingly well, thank you, Michael. That's Clarky. Very good, thanks. That's Dave, and a very fetching jumper. Uh, Dave Hannon, that is, DH. How about DDF? Yeah, this could get confusing, yeah, yeah. couldn't it? Yes, very good, thank you, Mr. Bailey. Should we get Dave Powell's in as well? <laughs> yeah, complete the triumvirate. This is why I've established the rules early, DDF and <laughs> DH. So that's why you've got to do it. Are we all well? What have we been up to? Much fun? Much excitement? Clarky, what's new in your world? Lots of excitement, yeah. Um, clearly, it's all about the Canaries. I mean, we've got loads going on at home. Our daughter's getting married in April. We're having our house redecorated and everything else. But pretty much it's all about the Canaries. <laughs> Fortunately, none of my family will hear me say this on a podcast that they, all listen, that they all listen to so I'm going to get in trouble oh, but okay. hey it's worth it it's worth it it's going to be bad if, uh, if they didn't listen to it for, for your benefit uh, nothing's going to get in, in the way of the remaining games I hope well um, basically my daughter's wedding is on the Blackburn home game the last game of the season last home game of the season oh dear oh dear and what like half six well it's an 11 o'clock wedding in Lincoln so you know <laughs> do the maths we should be fine I mean the services the service doesn't take long there's like 20 minutes so are you going to do it or not yet right okay I'll, you finish the job yeah, I'll be back I'll later I'll do my speech as soon as the service is over yeah quick soft drink FaceTime oh, FaceTime the speech oh good yeah. pre-recorded from the car <laughs> yeah. on the A17 I think that's absolutely fine I'm sure um, that those listening have not been in similar situations <laughs> to that uh, but if you have let us know that would be a that would be handy. Um, Mr. Hannon, you're well? You've, your column, you've, you've changed your column slightly, so you've already got busy with, uh, with a new date. Yeah, the shameless self-promotion begins. Um, yeah, as of today, um, every Monday in the pink, and you'll be able to read my rants instead of every other Thursday, so I'm really excited about that. And um, yeah, um, other than that, away from work, just got back from a month in Australia, and I'm bragging. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's true. And you did bring some sweets, so uh, they kept most of us happy. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we can focus on the fact that I missed games rather than the fact that I was in 38 degrees. Oh, right, I'm cutting you off there. Um, but I did want to mention, because we can tee this up through this podcast uh, um, about your column, mm-hmm. um, just tee up exactly the premise, quite briefly. Um, well, I, I think this season would make a, a damn good film. Um, and I've kind of, that's what I've looked at saying, you know, why that might be the case. But also, who might play who? Well, I've, I've only actually made one um, casting call, and it was it was very much tongue in cheek. Um, Ray Winston as uh, as Daniel Farker. Are we having that, Dave? Uh, Be nice. Uh, yeah, I uh, not really. <laughs> well, we've just been talking about this, haven't we? I, the, the guy that I initially had thought uh, would be good was the guy that was in The Hobbit. Uh, I think his name's Luke Jones, the Welsh guy. He's got mm-hmm. sort of slicked back, sort of dark hair. Um, I thought looks-wise, I mean, he might be quite good. But we just stumbled across another one, didn't we? Daniel Brühl. Yeah, Daniel Brühl, who played... Um he played uh, Nicky Lauda in Rush, the film about um, well, Nicky Lauda, and um, I um, and James Hunt. And James Hunt, yeah. And I, um, I was kind of reluctant to choose someone of that kind of, you know, a German, Austro-German type actor because I, di- I didn't want to be accused of, you know, tokenism. Just like, okay, first German I can think of. <laughs> 
the first German you could think of? I don't know. But, well, uh, German actor. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we could take, definitely expand upon this and we may well revisit it. If there's anyone out there, and you can think about this because we'll probably ask this in the Pink and Show on Wednesday week. There's no Pink and Show this week, of course, because of Hull. But uh, um, we'll probably open it up then. Uh, so keep thinking about it. Let us know. You can let us know on all the normal social media channels, whichever, who you would cast in what role. I've got one in, in my mind. Go on, Dave. You're smiling at me. Jason Statham as Timu Pukki. Oh. As he's got his Yarmouth roots, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. As uh, Mr. Dion Dublin uh, exposed further last week, I think it's uh, fairly well known for people in Yarmouth that Jason Statham is from Yarmouth, isn't it? But uh, although he's obviously been a Hollywood man for quite a long while, but Dion uh, strangely told 442 in their most recent edition that he used to live with his brother. So when Dion was on the books as a youth player at Norwich, he was living with Jason Statham in Yarmouth for a while. <laughs> you can't make it up. That is random. I mean, I hope he's still, you know, still attached to his roots and owns a terraced house in, in Yarmouth. <laughs> Dion? Oh, no, oh, yeah, Statham, yeah, yeah. yeah, Statham, yeah. As yeah. well. well yeah. Home's under the hammer. <laughs> he's always in Norfolk, isn't he, conveniently? Yeah, I mean, not, and the only other one for me was um, Martin Sheen, who did a cracking job as of Brian Clough. Stuart Webber. Nick my one. Oh no, I think you came up with it though. But yeah, and he's Welsh, which was my, which was which yeah, definitely my. It was my collaborative. Effort. It was a it team was effort. effort. It was a team effort. We'll definitely take it. Clarky, you got any contributions to this? Well, I don't know. Maybe Charlie Chaplin as Paul Lambert. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We'll move on there. Good work. Uh, right. Well, um, before we get stuck into some actual football chatter, we're only five and a half minutes in. Um, <laughs> then, uh, as always, make sure you get in touch with any thoughts or comments you want to make. You can help us set the agenda. Uh, just send an email to thepinkin at archon.co.uk or you can get in touch via all the usual uh, social media channels, be it personal ones or, of course, uh, Pinkin profiles. And make sure you don't miss a single podcast throughout this season by subscribing. You can find all the details at pinkin.com slash podcast. Now, as always, uh, it's quiz time to kick off with. Um, it's customary. We start with uh, the football school, the amazing World Cup quiz book. Um, Paddy found it. We have now taken ownership of it. Clarky, you're going to ask the question this oh, week. I, I love this one. So, why was Belgium captain Eric Jarrett's, sorry if I was, uh, mispronounced him, unhappy after his team drew 1-1 with Hungary in the 1982 World Cup? Was it A, he was substituted after being accidentally knocked out by his own goalkeeper trying to block a cross? B, he sprained his little finger, which actually I've done, um, during the pre-match handshake and had to be substituted. Mine was from a great save rather than a handshake. Um, Three, he elbowed the ref by mistake and was sent off. Or D, he was hit so hard on his bum by the ball that he couldn't sit down for 24 hours. Wow. Uh, Wow. (laughs) I mean, where's that? Random as it goes. Yeah, there, there, were, there were substitutions in '82, I presume. There was, there was uh, still one. There was one, was probably a lot. Yeah, I think probably, it would have been one, wouldn't they? I like one of the, uh, the secondary two, but there we go. But then if he couldn't sit down, it probably wouldn't help him being substituted. <laughs> It'd be more pain than if he was standing yeah. in goal. Uh, we will come back to these, of course, and give you guys the answer in uh, the Pinker Norwich City podcast Extra Time, which you can watch exclusively on the Pinker app. If you haven't downloaded it yet, just do so by searching pink on two words in either Google Play or the App Store. Right, let's get a move on then. That was the week that was, uh, of course, Norwich's part of it was a victory over Swansea. I remember saying before the game that I was more worried about the Hull game, which of course we'll come on to, because I felt that Swansea and the way they play would play perfectly into Norwich's hands and they should be okay, especially as they brushed them aside so adequately uh, in Wales. 
Uh, didn't quite work out like that, did it, Dave? Although they did, of course, and we have to say this because I think it gets a little bit lost for people, they did win 1-0. Yeah, I, I remember when we did our team news video um, after the teams dropped about an hour before kickoff, uh, which we do on the Pink and App, um, that I was expecting goals. And I think I went for 3-2 Norwich in the end. Um, so it didn't work out that way. Swansea were a lot tighter, to be fair. They, they, played, they played pretty well, but I, there's been a lot of afterwards, almost a bit of an easy sort of general realization that Norwich didn't play well and I don't think that's the case at all I think Norwich played it was two good teams but really how many chances did Swansea actually make clear-cut chances the ones that they got you know on a very very wet night and windy night Tim Krull made two you know underestimations I suppose fair play Dan James is absolutely rapid and I think he learned after the second time at least to, to not give him any chances to get the ball but after the second half Norwich got on the case and they were much better and I, th- I still think they deserved the win when you remember that Pookie really should have scored in the first half and you'd probably normally expect him to score that one with his left foot um, of course lovely goal from Buendia but then Pookie should have scored again at the end shouldn't he when, uh, when he hit the post so on balance I think Norwich deserved the win yeah I'm um... Swansea actually remind. I've seen this said quite a bit as well, but Swansea um, reminded me a lot of Norwich City of last season because you could see they were looking to to play the game right and move the ball well, and they were pressing, but there wasn't really that cutting edge at the end and didn't really create too much, like Dave says. Um, but yeah, they they didn't look a bad side and. I think there might, I don't know, maybe a little bit of nerves from Norwich, but also weren't quite at the races in the same way we had been. Again, not a bad performance, and you definitely saw a lot of improvement after after half-time. The interesting thing for me is that teams are adapting how they play to try and find Norwich's weaknesses. But Norwich is still kind of winning games off the back of that. It hasn't really held them up it's made the performances look um, a little bit more restricted and there's a few more questions being asked but ultimately Norwich is still doing the business even though they are the height of attention with their opponents yeah and for me generally again we looked str- I thought we looked better as the game went on and, and, and you know I think that says two things one we just wear teams out um, because they're pressing us and, and trying to trying to stop us playing and also clearly there's the, the, the fitness thing the players are really really fit um, and it's 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 just another example of how we seem to have a bit of a complete game plan, and it's it's you know it's a really good result. I mean, obviously Norwich played on Friday night, the two uh, promotion rivals, one's uh, automatic promotion rivals, and I think we'll say two now. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a moment. But Sheffield United and Leeds both winning at the weekend. Leeds phenomenal. They have not dropped a single point in any game they've scored first in. They've won every game when they've scored first. Now, in fairness to Norwich. They, although they maybe weren't quite at it in the first half, and Swansea played their best football in the first half. You and Robert said it was the best he'd seen them play this all season in that first half. Um, Norwich didn't concede, and they haven't done in three of the last six games. Likewise, only five teams have conceded more goals than uh, fewer goals than them. Sorry, um, since the turn of the year, I think. So, and we've had this conversation about them defensively a little bit, haven't we? But I, I do feel like they're quite tight at the moment I know that watching games you maybe look at it and see all oh, your bit um, you know maybe giving away opportunities here there but generally tight enough 
Yeah, one thing that um, I'm noticing as the weeks go by with Ben Godfrey is how good his use of the ball is. Not he, he obviously doesn't have the same sort of expansive passing game that Tim Closer does because you know we saw Tim literally create a goal with one pass that Buendia scored. What was that against Brentford first half of the season? We've been the, the Zimmerman do that. Yeah, Zimmerman, that lovely pass. Where was it? Where was Pookie. it? Uh, uh, Bolton. Yeah, Bolton. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I don't mean that type of passing, but Godfrey and Zimmerman have got quite a decent connection there in terms of keeping the ball playing along the back line and particularly on Friday night which was uh, testing conditions and Swansea were pinning um, Zimmerman and Godfrey back when Krull had the ball weren't they all the time because Krull was kicking into the wind and Mm. fair play they that worked for Swansea's point of view they they unsettled Norwich but yes I think defensively it's all it's all looking pretty decent at the moment and um, what one of the stats that I found surprising after the game was you know only one shot on target and uh, it's only the third time under Daniel Farker that that has happened in a match since he's taken charge. There's only three times they've had one shot on target in a game, and one of those was when they had zero, which is a game which is etched into my memory forever because it was so dreadful at Preston at the end of last season, the nil-nil, where nobody wanted to be there, not Norwich, not Preston, not Alex Neal, not Daniel Farker, <laughs> and it was a very, very boring football match. So, yes, uh, hopefully we won't see too many more um, examples of just one shot on target, but... Uh, Overall, the general play is good. I did, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, David, I saw a list of um, of uh, expected goals from the weekend's games across the EFL. I think Norwich were in the top ten, seven, the top ten for worst expected goals, but I imagine they were probably the team highest up that won, if that makes sense. So <laughs> they won even though they were expected to score you know, half a goal and the joys of statistics. Dave's looking at me very skew-whiffed, but so <laughs> I know what I mean anyway. Sorry, Dave, I interrupted you. Um, DH. I, I think what, what I was going to say is I think the thing that speaks the most volumes about how we've been defending in the last few weeks is the fact that in my mind uh, we've got the best centre-back in the league in Tim Closer and he's sat on the bench. So I think that kind of says all, all you need to say about Godfrey and Zimmerman as a partnership and they've kind of seemed to have you know, created a real bomb between the two of them. Brilliant stuff. Um, just in terms of the rest of the picture, uh, West Brom um, only drawing at home to Ipswich, which is enough to get you the sack now. Darren Moore, he's gone. Uh, West Brom are in search of their new boss, but effectively, I would say that that makes their automatic promotion hopes uh, probably a distant um, hope, forlorn hope. Uh, Middlesbrough, likewise, losing at home to Brentford. They have a game in hand, but they're no better off than West Brom. So we are really looking at um, three from two from three which I think we'd kind of felt was likely anyway a few a, a week or so ago they all won which I don't think anyone was expecting everyone to win but th- the three teams at the top are kind of relentless in their form at the moment and I know Leeds and Sheffield United have got to play each other once someone's going to drop points if not both of them but by the same token it just emphasises um, and we'll probably talk about Max Aarons in a bit Dave but you know if Norwich are to avoid complacency the other side's winning won't half help Absolutely, and I said in a column a couple of weeks ago that I feel it could go all the way to the maybe even to the final game. Hope it doesn't. Really, really hope it doesn't. But I think you're right. You know, they, Leeds and Sheffield United both do look strong, and you know, Leeds winning at Bristol City, I thought was a, was a really good win for them. I'd, I'd had in my mind that Sheffield United and us would both win. Leeds would probably slip up, maybe get a draw. Um, but they won, so yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be nip and tuck, and it's gonna be all the other cliches you want, you know, uh, you know the, the roller coaster ride and all that sort of stuff. So people have been talking about, you know, almost could Norwich get promoted before Easter? Could it happen on Good Friday? I think that's very optimistic, and I still think we will go out automatically, but it is it is going to be fairly tight. 
Um, yeah, it's, I think the, the thing with um, the three teams all winning it, you all keep each other honest. And I remember writing something quite a while ago about when it, there was a t- stage where it was kind of looking like it would be us and Leeds going out together. And there was a weird, I don't maybe we've fallen out on social media since, but there seemed to be like a weird friendship between the two clubs and a bond forming. Um, and we were both kind of like, yeah, let's just run off together, each keep each other honest and run away with it. But obviously Sheffield in the mix again, keeps us more honest because Daniel Farker's going to be able to say to his players that there is no slipping up here. We can't coast our way to this. We need to be on the ball. We need to be focused because if we drop points, they're going to be snapping at our heels. But we're in that fortunate position that we are the leaders. We're the pace setters. So I guess less pressure on us in some sense. I think Leeds have won four of the last five. Norwich won seven of the last nine. Sheffield United have won five on the trot without conceding a goal at home. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Uh, that relationship. They'll all lose on mid- in midweek now. <laughs> well, that'd be all right as long as the other two did. <laughs> I, could, I could hand Norwich had got to lose a game at some point. You would have thought I, I'd be very surprised if they didn't lose one at least between now and the end of the season. We're going to have to accept that. But um, that, that's funny. You mentioned the, the, that Leeds connection on on Twitter. It reminded me of remember the the Norwich Celtic family yeah, after, yes. after the Adam Drury testimonial. Everyone there was a big green and white and yellow and green love in them, wasn't there? But then. Norwich signed Gary Hooper and that swiftly ended that uh, relationship and then the Spygate uh, yes absolutely I mean, yeah, I don't know what makes you think the Norwich and Leeds fans have or anyone else there was a brief out. spell wasn't there where they united on Twitter wasn't there when it was like let's go and push on so, yeah. and, and yes for me Norwich and Leeds are the best two teams in terms of quality on their day they produce the best football in this division um, you could possibly even argue that Leeds when they really hit top gear are a little bit better than Norwich but they've done that less often than Norwich have so um I would think they'll be the top two. If Sheffield United can make that a three-horse race all the way through until those last few games, and you've got to say fair play to Chris Wilder. Mm. He will have done quite the job. But, yeah, West Brom are nine points adrift of Leeds in second already, aren't they? I just I think they've missed uh, missed the boat. And looks like they're looking at Slavisa Jakanovic, who, who, of course, has taken Fulham and Watford up before. Would seem a good appointment for me because hopefully you can get a bit of bounce for him. They've also got Stefan Johansson already in the building, who was his sort of... Uh, uh, one of the key parts of his team wasn't he last year at Fulham and if things didn't work out for you in the playoffs which there's always that risk of you've got a good man in place for next season then haven't they Sheffield United's a really interesting case I think the Leeds game is pivotal for them I think if they pick up a good result from them they can kick on I think if they lose I think Leeds and obviously wherever Norwich are it might prove a good bridge too far interesting that Chris Wilder just keeps dipping players out like Billy Sharp was on the bench again against Rotherham mm-hmm. it feels like he's learned from how they fell away last year and he's trying to you know, implement that in how they're going about it and they have been superb this second half of the season Okay, gongs of the week time. We don't need to spend ages on this, although I love this section. Uh, Big Duncan Forbes, hero of the week. I'm going to stick in Emmy because that goal was beautiful and he is a beautiful man (laughs) and I love watching him play football. Uh, I don't so much like him backheeling in his own half and he was possibly a little bit lucky not to get sent off because that second challenge was a little bit stupid. But would you change him? Probably not. There we go. Um, Who else has a hero of the week? 
I'm afraid it's got to be Emmy for me as well. I just don't think you can take it away from him. Um, yeah, I, I did the player watch on him on Friday night, which you can see at Pinkin.com, of course. And he, he was involved in so much stuff. I mean, that back heel in his own half was bizarre because there was no one near him. It was just to no one. I, I'd imagine Daniel Farker was tearing his hair out at that because it was right in front of him as well, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, some of the, like, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, he, he teed up Pookie twice, didn't he, for what probably should have been goals. The guy's in great form. I mean, frankly, if, if he continues to be such an attacking threat through till the end of the season and drives Norwich over the line, Norwich might do well to hang on to him because he, there's clearly top-level ability in that lad if, if he can yeah. knock out some of those defensive uh, errors as well. Uh, I'm going to veer a little bit away from Carrow Road for, for my hero of the week. As a player, I don't, I don't like as a player. I didn't rate him when he was at Carrow Road. I think he's really overrated. But Jack Grealish, you know, obviously he was... You know the protagonist of one of the biggest stories of the weekend, but the way he dealt with what happened at St Andrews was exemplary. You know he just did, didn't react, got his head down, scored the winning goal, and yeah, um, you know that's exactly how he should conduct himself in the face of the exact way football fans shouldn't. Well, fair said, uh, well said, even, and we'll wait to see what punishment awaits Birmingham. Um, it does, from some of the bits I've heard, sound like the FA might be willing to throw a very big book at them. Just broken now, actually, uh, Paul Mitchell, who's uh, the idiot's name, uh, he has been sent into 14, 14 weeks in prison for pitch invasion and assault on Jack Grealish. Not suspended either. Uh, well, I think Birmingham have basically said uh, he won't set him f- foot inside St Andrews again. I think that's um, probably taken for for granted. But they go. Oh, sorry, the sentences. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no not so according to that. He's he's in prison for fourteen weeks. That's what it says. That's sounds... so, well, sentenced to fourteen weeks in prison. So um, we'll have a quick check to make sure I've not got that wrong. But there we go. Uh, Clark, anyway, uh, hero. I, I would agree with you both on Emmy, but um, I'm going to go a little bit left field and say Tim Cruel. Now, why have I said Tim Cruel? I hear you all asking. Why? <laughs> um, now, I took the top of the River End, which is, I think, is probably Moansville when it comes to Carrow Road. I know lots of people will say they're, they're over the ground, has got the moaners, but um, up there is the just get rid, you know, don't play it around. But the fact that not just once, but twice, he stuck to the, the Norwich way now of playing, where he wasn't just going to lump it forward when the wind was blowing. He was determined to play out from the back, do as he was told, do as, do as the ethic is now. Um, and he went for it and I thought after once he probably would have not done it anymore but the fact that he, he still was trying to play his way out um, it, yes he got away with it a little bit but I just love the fact that they are now sticking to a, a beautiful game plan of, of that and total football, uh, total football. <laughs> absolutely football. Football. Well, uh, interestingly my Kevin Muscat villain of the week was going to be Dan James for being so quick that he yeah. put That's Tim Krull under all that pressure because um, and I, I'm having an exchange with someone on Twitter actually I, I think you know, obviously it makes everyone nervous and they see it and it's oh no Tim what are you doing blah 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 but um, I, I think to, to a degree generally when Tim is playing at the back he, he is more com- confident and, and confident and comfortable than everyone watching him because he's the one in control um, admittedly that was a little bit closer uh, too close <laughs> for comfort on Friday but he said that himself he said he got away with it he was quicker than he thought and I think you could see that from how he misjudged it and the, the heavy touch with the second one probably didn't help so he was going to be my villain Dan James by the way a very quick uh, player who is once he gets his um, end product sorted is going yeah. to be a very good player hopefully not for Leeds I'm not sure I've seen a player a football player as quick as that he was since Michael Owen probably I remember seeing <laughs> yeah. Michael Owen was phenomenal but yeah. not, not that raw 
outrageous pace. Well, that goal he scored in the FA Cup, the, the BBC did the classic sort of speedometer type thing, didn't they? And they showed that he did 100 metres in sort of 9.4 or something, but clearly he was doing it from a rolling start. So he's not quicker than Usain Bolt. He's you know still going to be looking at in 11 seconds-ish, isn't he? For, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but I'd have thought he's comfortably faster than, say, Evo Pinto or someone uh, who we've talked about as being very quick. Darren Eadie um, Darren Eadie, Adrian Forbes was, was rapid, wasn't he? Um, but yeah, uh, on the villain of the week, it's got to be this uh, Birmingham fan on, on the opposite, opposite side of, of Dave giving Jack Grealish the, uh, the hero because just a total buffoon and just to confirm as, as Michael just said 14 weeks mm-hmm. in prison so I guess he'll probably serve seven as it normally goes isn't it seven um, hours <laughs> yeah um, so they've dealt with him very harshly which is good to see because that has got to be stamped down on and personally if I was the FA I would probably be looking at making Birmingham play an away game without away fans or something like that um, I'm sure they've already sold tickets for the next few away games but perhaps their last two away games of the season or something you're not allowed away fans there and there needs to be some kind of ramification for the club if this is going to be taken seriously because their steward also was involved and dragged off by police as well wasn't he so yeah. it's awful we, we don't want to be seeing the, I mean it's, it, this isn't you know, we had the pitch invader here. What was it last season in the Forest game when he ran on and pulled his pants oh, around his? Oh, Forest game when he, oh, pulled, yeah, he yeah. pulled his trousers down, then pulled them up, and then pulled them down again. And he looked like a total pillock, didn't he? And, <laughs> and that, was, that was a different idiocy, wasn't it? But yeah. um, I mean, I would add, I would add today's all those Birmingham fans who applauded him, yeah. cheered him oh. as he's been that way. I mean, you know. I would hope that if, 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 you know, every club's got an idiot and if there was an idiot at Norwich who decided to come on and swing a punch at someone, yeah. then they, no one... Boo him would, off. They'd boo him off. Yeah. And you, or her. We, we would all say, chuck him out. We don't ever see him again. Chuck him in prison. But to, to applaud him, to cheer him, to salute him, and then to back him up on social media, which a lot of them were doing. I, I was thinking about this. Like, if this happened in an Ipswich-Norwich game, for instance... What, what would Norwich fans do and I think we've got an example haven't we when those two guys ran on and checked the season tickets at Gunny in the in the 7-1 against Colchester now from memory the ground was already sort of angry anyway obviously when they say they were sort of booing generally and when that happened everyone sort of went quiet and was like what's, what's happening mm-hmm. I don't remember there being cheers yeah. and finding it funny the context it was actually a tweet from Charlie Wyatt that was put out in terms of uh, Birmingham being top although I would probably say bottom of the uh, football arrests um, table for the last three seasons mm. yeah, more yeah. rest than everyone else uh, that plus FFP not sure there's too many people who are going to want to do Birmingham any particular favours at the moment and regardless of Gary Rowett and um, Gary Monk going on about how most of their fans are brilliant I, I don't know them all so I couldn't possibly comment but by the same token they're they are not as well behaved as pretty much every other club in the championship so um, there is an issue needs to be addressed and I'm sure it'll get dealt with too um, Dave uh, HDH did you have a villain? Yeah um, I'm after going a little bit far away from Carrow Road from, from a hero I'm going even further away from my <laughs> villain um, I'm watching the Champions League in a week um, and the the square up between Pepe and Edin Dzeko I don't know if anyone's seen it look it up on on YouTube or, or Twitter but the two men um, standing Face to face, Pepe slightly shorter than Jacko, and Jacko. The minute he notices the refs coming up to him, he puts his hand on his face and falls down like a sack of spud, likes been shot, and it's just, it's embarrassing. I mean, I know no one likes Pe- Pepe anyway, and you know it could happen to a nice guy, but at the same time, no, just what are you doing? Sort your life out, and it's just, it's cheating. It's the si- simplest way of saying it. It is cheating. He's clearly trying to get his opponent sent off, and if you can't beat a team. Honestly, 
don't try and beat him dishonestly. And the Leeds keeper, Casilla, was uh, up to similar. He made a little motion towards uh, one of the Bristol City players uh, late on on, uh, on Saturday. I mean, I thought there was an EFL conspiracy against Leeds, but he didn't send him off. So I, I'm, I'm really, my head's like, I can't really get, I don't know what... I can't understand, but I, just, I haven't seen any Leeds fans tweet about that yet. So um, I'll, I'll have a look at something. I just don't. It's with, so uh, weird. Happened with Redmond in the Southampton Tottenham game as well, didn't it? Sissoko sort of mm. squared up to him and, and put his head in, and and Red has backed off. So it, that's, that's the situation. It, yeah, if he'd have gone down there, Sissoko's gone, isn't it? There we go. Uh, um, Simeon Jackson moment of the week. Uh, I've gone for the moment Ollie McBurney was not on the team sheet yeah, I think had Swansea played uh, as well as he did in the first half with Ollie McBurney up top it might have been a, a little bit more of an interesting <laughs> sec- uh, first half but there we go um, other nominations I think for me it was a final whistle I think every game now if if we get another win in it's another massive tick and and I'm not saying that we panicked at the end and we looked like we were going to throw it away but just when that final whistle went um, I watched the referee put the whistle to his mouth and when he when he made that blow and another three points in the bag um, great moment um, Emmy's goal for me um, is what uh, I'm on one of my favourite goals that I've seen at Carrow in a long time and we were chatting about this this morning actually um, I would I want to know how hard he hit that ball I want to know hmm. get the speedometer out like they did on match of the day I want to see what speed that ball was travelling at because um, Clark and I were when we were making our brews this morning we both said oh, you know what goal did that remind you of and after three we both said Bradley Johnson at Ipswich and right. I'd be sure. interested to know which one of those rockets was travelling fastest because probably um, probably Jono's for me yeah. but at the same time that was a rapid strike and foot like attraction engine I think with Emmy's goal is the drop of the shoulder yeah. and the yeah. shape the and oh my gosh my gosh Johnson's was just raw belt it wasn't yeah. it whereas you absolutely yeah. right Abby. he actually yeah. said it as yeah. a hit anyway <laughs> Dave yeah Johnson's was just outside the area as well wasn't it yeah. so I think it was that, just that, inside that really did fly the Johnson but one, yeah. didn't it yeah but yeah, it was a thing of beauty Emmy uh, Buendia's goal but I'm going to go away from Carrot as well for my oh, moment yeah. of the week I happened I don't do this very often but I happened to watch a bit of German football yesterday um, on BT Sport we did that every week <laughs> yes quite well now and uh, it was Hanover v Leverkusen and I thought oh, that's snowing quite a lot um, that's quite oh, yeah. weird and at uh, that, that point there, it was 1-0 and they just stopped to clear the lines um, hammering down with snow they restarted Leverkusen went 2-0 up lovely goal and then uh, the guy that I've now found out is called Ken- Gengi Haraguchi. Um, he rounded the goalkeeper and slotted into the net, only for the ball to stop on the goal line because of the snow, at which point surely the game it should be abandoned because if the ball isn't able to roll into the goal then you can't play football um, and it was just chaos Like it was like you remember when you were at school and it snowed and you went out with an orange ball and everyone's sliding 10 metres to make their tackles and things like that it was hilarious and all of a sudden it was going sort of viral on social media everyone was watching this game and it was you know it was like beast from the east sort of level snow they eventually got it back underway Hanover who were near the bottom got back to 2-2 and then they conceded right at the end to lose 3-2. So it was just chaos. But um, yeah, if that would have been a Premier League game, if that would have been Man City-Liverpool or something, it would have been absolutely outrageous that they were even trying to play the game. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we'll have to tune into that and take some more in. Um, we're done there, aren't we? I, we'll talk about the atmosphere. I th- I, we're not going to talk about the atmosphere now. I think we'll talk about it on the, the Pink and Extra Time podcast. Um, um, which some people may not want to hear, but I, I think it's worth uh, something to discuss. <laughs> 
So Dave, you've had a busy day of it today, haven't you? Yeah, to an extent. Uh, down down to Colney to have a chat with Max Ahrens, um, which is a nice opportunity to get. Um, of course, such a pivotal player for Norwich this season. He's started over 30 games in succession. Since he came in for that Ipswich game, he started every league game since. It's phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, also his level of performance, because a lot of the time, and it was what I like this with Jamal Lewis last year, he, he came in... Um, but you're like, well, he's got a lot to learn and all well, his performances are just dropping off after a few weeks. He always had good signs, but would, would make mistakes. And, you know, we're now seeing the benefit of that this year. Max Ahrens, it's just a phenomenal level of consistent and also threat going forwards as well as how well he plays defensively. It's just phenomenal. It really is, yeah. He's got that athletic ability and, and spoke a little bit about that today. Um, when he came in on trial at Norwich, he, he actually left Luton when he was 15, had about a year out of the game, uh, but and then he started trialling with clubs again. Uh, he had a trial at Spurs, QPR. Then he came to Norwich and he absolutely smashed the bleep test. I'm sure everyone had a go at the bleep test at some point in their lives. Yeah. Some people, it's absolutely excruciating torture. Um, I didn't used to mind it. I was, I was. You smashed it before every day. I, I, I did actually win it in high school. Once. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I had a big paper round. So I was quite, I was quite fit in high, in, in high school. Unfortunately, not as much as I am nowadays. And uh, yeah, I did have trials to run for Norfolk and things like that. But anyway, anyway carry I, on. I digress. Um, Max smashed it and Norwich thought wow that kid has got some serious athleticism about him and and now we're seeing that particularly as Emi Buendia wanders doesn't he so that man in front of him doesn't tend to hold his position and Max made the interesting point on that that um, Emi wandering actually creates him a bit of space sometimes as well so it does open up that channel for him to attack and like the Bristol City game when he created the pookie goal uh, I think the pookie goal wasn't it and um, had so many times we've seen those sort of raids down the right so yeah um, it was great to get an opportunity to, to chat to him spoke to him about um, look back on the Swansea game looked ahead to the whole game uh, asked him about the speculation um, where of course he's been linked with massive clubs Premier League clubs Man- Manchester City the latest one not in an online report but Manchester United Arsenal even Red Bull Leipzig in Germany they've all been touted in, in national gossip columns so as a 19-year-old, England under-19, who has having, uh, had a phenomenal season for the championship leaders, clearly he's got a, a heck of a future ahead of him. So it was great to have a, have a good chat with him and, and catch up with, with, uh, with him on what an amazing season it's yeah, been for him. It has indeed. It's been brilliant. It was, it was Ben Godfrey's goal, wasn't it, that he's up against Bristol City? Is that That's wrong? right. That's right. Yeah, we go. Just so we make sure we get our facts right. Uh, brilliant stuff. Well, um, good lucky man. Uh, good stuff getting to chat to Max. Um, there'll be some of it going up in the international break, weren't there, in yep. terms of it. Um, but there is also some looking ahead to the whole game. Should we hear some of that now? Yeah, go for it. And then Hull, again, another tricky opponent and on Wednesday night. Uh, uh, at home helps, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But they have gone from incredible form to difficult form. So are they a bit of a difficult one to get a read on? Yeah, it's hard. Um, sometimes you can't. it's hard to get a gauge of where, they are, where they're at at the moment. But uh, like you said, they're, they're dipping in form and then going up in form. So it's, it's hard. You don't know what how they're going to come uh, on Wednesday night. But we can just focus on our game and... Uh, carry on playing as well as well as we have and hopefully it won't be a problem another home game the fans I, I know they were getting sort of battered by the wind and rain on Friday night so it was a little bit difficult for them to make loads of noise but how important have they been this season seeing all that yellow and green at the bottom of the Barclay and all the efforts that the fans have made this year how much how much sort of uh, an extra push has that given the players Massive, massively um, the positive atmosphere that, that's been around the ground um, just gives you that extra boost gives you that extra 10% to get over the line I mean I think there's been results like against Millwall and Bolton and stuff like that at home, which genuinely 
you could say the fans have pushed us through it, right. which which has helped uh, a lot. And all the support and stuff like that, social media, going to away games. I think the Millwall game was was crazy away. Uh, just looking at that wall of yellow, just there's so many fans there. Um, almost felt like as if it was a home game away at Millwall, which is which is odd. But uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it's great to have them there cheering you on. Uh, what we'll do now is mailbag, which is the discussions led by your emails, tweets, and other interaction. Uh, we've got a few. Uh, we're rap- rapidly running out of time, so we'll rattle through through these. Um, uh, Gabelli, Ian Gabelli. I hope that's how you pronounce it. Although he's probably Gable. It's probably Ian Gable. <laughs> but I'm going to call him Ian Gabelli. Um, can you ask Ben Kensel when we can expect a full series of the ticket office? I wish you'd asked me that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I'd, have, I'd have asked him, but um, I think we do quite uh, well. I think we've had enough Ben Kensel interviews <laughs> Not, nothing against Ben but I don't think we'll be getting another one <laughs> I still think Stuart Webber's line about uh, tell your faces is my favourite moment of that, of that video but there we go um, Charles Coker has asked how much is the salon clause for James Madison um, is his next move going to be over £50 million that's because he uh, no player in Europe's top five leagues has created more goal scoring chances this season than James Madison 81 of them that's a that's great a start isn't it it was a cracking Ooh. assist for Vardy's goal yeah, I mean yeah. I, I think I can't remember when we talked about this but we did at some point that Spurs Liverpool or whoever Man City are going to regret not getting him when Leicester have got him because now he is well, going to be worth at least double probably regret not getting him when we got him yeah. but at the, the 81 if, if those have all gone in well A Leicester are top of the league and he's a, the player with 81 assists that's absurd I mean, he is taking all their set pieces but still I mean what a guy um, RF our at zero dice there is an underscore in there too uh, Dave you might know this because you were the last one to go to the US does the club have any plans to tour the US this summer now I guess pre-season is a bit of a minefield because they don't really know which schedule they're working to so um, mm. it could be a bit tricky yeah um, well when when we were in Tampa and I spoke to Daniel about it um, and, and asked why it wasn't in pre-season it was because he didn't think it f- it fitted in with the way he wanted to do pre-season and, and Chris Domagola presumably as well they they wanted to go to Germany they thought that worked better for what they wanted to do but since uh, that was in November wasn't it the Tampa tour they have um, announced the partnership with Tampa Bay Rowdies haven't they Caleb Richards is now out there playing mm-hmm. uh, he started their first game of the season on Saturday I think it was which I think they won it as is. well yeah. um, and that is a, a firm partnership there and when that was announced by the club earlier this year they said in there that there would be the potential for future visits uh, you know there was no specifics but clearly there is a strong partnership between both the Rowdies and the you know Visit Tampa Bay who who are the club sponsor so um, whether it will end up being pre-season or not I don't know that may well be more like the sort of thing you do if you were a Premier League club wasn't it as they did previously under Chris Hewitt when they went to yeah. Portland Timbers and, and San Jose Earthquakes if you're a Premier League team then that's the sort of branding work that you want to do isn't it you want to go out to the US and you usually get another week to play with as well don't you of pre-season so that's one to keep an eye on certainly and, and one that I, I would have thought that US fans will get another opportunity at some point in the next couple of years to see Norwich yeah um, Jake Ward has said if we get back to the Premiership if uh, should Farker stick or twist through the possibility of bringing in one or two experienced Premier League players beside these boys or not this has gone wrong for us before by doing so but as always I would say Jake it depends who you're bringing in and what the balance is and how good your scouting is so um we will get to talk about that a lot over the coming weeks and Paul Bussey thank you so much for your question about the international break you know what I'm going to store it 
for next week. We'll answer that one, Paul, on Monday. But if you want to get your question put to us, you can do that via Twitter, or you can do what Paul Bussey did and send an email to thepinken at archant.co.uk. Okay, Clarky's had to dip off because he's a very important man in these places and he's got meetings to go to. But fortunately, neither of us are that important and we don't have to go anywhere. Uh, so the week ahead, of course, uh, is a big week in terms of the championship. And Dave, um, it starts on Tuesday. It does. With Leeds and Sheffield United in action. It does. Uh, yes, so it could be an advantage for Norwich, couldn't it? But um, we shall see. Um, so Leeds are at Reading, is that right? That's right, yeah. And Sheffield United are... At home. At home. To... Brentford. To Brentford. Brentford, that sounds right. <laughs> Good game. Sorry, Dave, I'll put you on the spot there completely. Um, yeah, it's worth adding. I think Leeds, you would expect to win at Reading even though Reading have improved recently. That said, Reading have actually got a pretty good historic record against Leeds. Leeds haven't done the double over them since 1920s. Um, likewise, Brentford are in cracking form, scoring shed loads of goals. What was I was going to say then? Yeah. Uh, shed loads of goals. Uh, but they haven't beaten Sheffield United since the 80s or something like that. Certainly at Bremel Lane. But they won at Borough, didn't they? And that, I think that was only their second away win of the season, Brentford. Um, Said Benrahma is in some sensational form for them at the moment. I think he scored five in his last five. Um, and I remember him looking tasty against Norwich as well. So he's, he's in top form. So... That's not going to be an easy game. I, you know, at this point of the season, everyone's got something to play for, isn't it? I, we're not at that point where we can start asking whether teams are on the beach. Um, I, you know, that uh, that point might come and that might help Norwich at points. But you know, if they both drop points, then that really does open up an opportunity for Norwich at home to Hull on Wednesday night. Um, are we though realistically expecting them both to win? And is that kind of how Norwich have to work from here? They, they've obviously got Hull on th- on Wednesday, and I, I think that might be a tricky game. But um, what about the other two? Yeah, I think we should always kind of, like I kind of said earlier, is play on the assumption that the other team are going to win. And it's it's interesting to see just how quickly roles can kind of be reversed. You know, this time last, you know, this time last week we were looking into playing 24 hours before the other two teams and we set the pace and now it's a case of how do we deal with the the other situation if both those teams win that's a lot of pressure going into the game if they don't win you know you go in saying here's our chance to open up a bigger gap and kind of lay down the gauntlet for for them so uh, yeah and we obviously know that Leeds and Sheffield United play each other on Saturday it's a 12:30 kickoff so they will have played just a few hours before Norwich kick off at Rotherham of course which um, Rotherham were pretty awful that said they were also down to 10 men pretty early after Will Vokes sending off at Sheffield United Um, in terms of the Hull game I want to think that this is quite a tricky one I think Hull haven't won at Carrow Road in a few years Norwich haven't beaten Hull for for a few years either I think most of the recent games have been draws there's a bit of hull where they, if they wanted to just dig in and tighten up, they probably could um, because they still have some very good players. Um, that said, their away form at the moment is shocking. I think I think they've scored one goal and conceded about 13 in the last four away games, which have all, of course, been defeats. Um, they're absolutely shipping goals. They don't seem to be able to stem that tide and they lost 3-0 at Forest on Saturday. So actually, it could be a good time to play them. It, ultimately, it's all going to depend on Norwich and how they what they've got in their tank, I suppose. I- I mean, if Norwich find their gears, then I don't see them having any problems with Hull, to be honest. Um, that result, that or that run of results that they had around Christmas was kind of 
freaky, really. I'm mean, nobody saw it coming. It's all built around Jared Bowen's goals, isn't it? Who, you know, fair play to him, has kept banging them in, and they do have some ability in that team. But I think Nigel Atkins was getting them punching above their weight during that run. So I think they've settled back down towards. Um, more realistic territory um, they're what five points outside the playoffs so they've got very slim hopes but I just don't think they're good enough to, to make the playoffs I'd, I'd hate to be proved wrong as, as I said earlier Norwich will lose a game I would have thought between now and the end of the season and there will be a hiccup but um, given that as, as you mentioned earlier Dave they've got so many high quality players waiting to come into this team and, and Daniel may see these two games as an opportunity to freshen things up a touch I, I really can't see them upsetting Norwich at home No it's I, I don't buy too much into kind of the historical results between two teams like, oh, Norwich haven't beaten Hull in X number of years Hull haven't won at Norwich in Y number of years not, not trying to discredit you but kind of in a sense of it's never been this 11 players playing that 11 players you know, I don't know if it psychologically dwells. You know, I'm not a footballer, but if I was, you know, suppose I'd signed for Norwich and I was coming up against a team that I hadn't, that Norwich hadn't beaten in 10 years, I, I wouldn't think, oh, we can't beat these because the Norwich of 10 years ago didn't beat the Hull of 10 years ago or whatever. But um, it's just got to be all, all down to, to form and the mentality. And I think we're kind of, and I think that credit to Daniel Farker for uh, instilling this in the players, but I think they're, as a group are of the belief that if we're on our game no one's going to beat us so that's what it all comes down to and it's the oldest cliche in the book but I think the first goal dictates the game personally if it comes to Norwich I could see it finishing 3-0 or 4-0 maybe if if Hull get it it might be a different story but I, I can't see anything other than a Norwich win I love it. I do agree with you about the first goal, though, especially in in, in this situation. Um, and don't worry, I completely appreciate the discrediting. And likewise, that that is what Daniel Farker would say and has said repeatedly. But all I'll say is Craven Cottage. It's weird how these things work out. Uh, and of course, after the Rotherham game, game, it's an international break. The only one remaining this season um, but we can discuss that of course when we return on the podcast in uh, a week's time um, plugs wise there is of course no pink and show this week because Norwich play Hull on Wednesday but we'll have live coverage of that game and of course um, then the trip to New York Stadium and I guess we'll probably dabble in what happens beforehand and either side on Tuesday of course uh, all of that pinkin.com is the place to be you know that uh, any other business Dave um, Monday as we record under 23s play tonight at home against Stoke at Colney so one to watch out for uh, this lad Gassan Ahadme seems to be making a few waves if you've not seen the uh, video that's doing the rounds on Twitter have a look at the uh, preview of the game on pinkin.com uh, brought in from Spanish football in January seems like he's uh, impressing certainly looked good in the, in the highlights of that Man United game indeed top stuff okay well after that we are done uh, thank you all for listening uh, it's goodbye uh, to Mr David Hannan DH thank you very much bye uh, goodbye Mr Dave Freezer DDF for now we'll see you in the extra time oh yes we're getting there um, and thank you very much to Mr Clark no worries my golf cheers <laughs> uh, remember pinkin.com for all the latest Norwich City news analysis opinion and transfer insight we will be back with you each and every Monday so make sure you get in touch and get involved this is your podcast yes you as much as it is ours. Uh, we will answer that earlier quiz question. I can't remember what it was, but it was a cracker. Uh, as well as discussing the Carroll atmosphere and what we would do team selection-wise for Hull. Why not? Uh, that will be in the Pinken Norwich City podcast. Extra time. Go get the Pinken app to watch that. Until next time, here's to a double header that goes in Norwich City's favour as the final stretch opens up before our eyes. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>